Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Angela Alberti about the future of work as amplified through the external workforce. Angela Alberti, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. It is a pleasure to be here. Appreciate you uh, uh, going through this with me. Yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. We've been preparing for this episode for a little while. And the topic we're going to be focusing on is the future of work generally, but particularly within the context of the external workforce. So we'll be exploring uh, the rise of the contingent worker caused by the pandemic uh, and other factors, the gig economy and other such external uh, workforce factors, all of which are aid- are adding to the this uh, context that is shaping the future of work. So that will be the focus of what we discussed today. Before we get started, though, I did want to share Angela's bio with everybody. Angela Alberti has studied workforce trends and shifts her entire professional career spanning over a decade. As an expert in the human capital sector, she is a thought leader and advocate for the worker population with a specialized focus on contingent workers. Angela has held leadership and executive roles at some of the most recognized national and global on-demand employer platforms. Her diverse background in areas of business development, marketing, and operational oversight have led to hundreds of strategized implementation efforts for contract, project-based, and temporary workforce deployment programs. Uh, It's always a pleasure having such a a wonderful guest, you know, with such a great rich background on the podcast, but I think particularly in, in relation to the pandemic, in relation to this particular topic, I can't think of a better person to be talking to. So I appreciate you lending your expertise to uh, this conversation and to my audience today. Before we jump on in, anything you would like to share by way of background or personal context for the listeners? Well, I think that anyone that grows up, uh, this is an industry that finds you. I I wasn't eight years old and said, well, I'm going to study workforce trends and and human capital management when it comes to an external workforce. so the last 10 years, which has encompassed basically, as, as the bio has said, my entire career. But if you think about what the contingent workforce has become within the last 10 years, we really start to see this plethora of movement uh, and it's all due to the digital transformation. So it's, it's what I know, it's what I'm passionate about. And I'm just very excited to have some dialogue over that topic today because I really feel like the pandemic is certainly going to press a fast forward button to what many experts were uh, thinking was going to rise over the next five to 10 years might be uh, a more, you know, accelerated path within the next two to five year cycle. So uh, happy to provide some insight and just some of the knowledge that I've seen 
on the client demand and the workers that fulfill this type of working engagement. Yeah, well, thank you. And I, I think there's no question that this pandemic and the, the overnight shift to virtual work for so many people has accelerated our movement you know, into um, not only a work from home uh, and virtual work kind of an environment, but the, the rise of this contingent workforce in, the, in what people call the gig economy. Now, it, that's not new. The, it, this didn't grow out of the pandemic. Contingent mm -hmm. workers have been around forever, right? Ever since mm -hmm. there, there was a labor economy, there have been contingent workers. Um, mm -hmm. And the gig economy isn't anything new either. But it, it has, um, I, I believe it's, it's grown in its, its uh, scope. Uh, certainly over the last decade, but particularly over this last year or so, as we've been in the middle of this pandemic. Before we dive on in to where we're at now and where mm -hmm. we seem to be going in the next few years, uh, perhaps you can provide us with a little bit of context, though, where we've come from. Um, so, you know, as, as I teach this kind of topic at the university, you know, I'll, I'll show graphs that show the right, you know, the rise of gig workers over the last couple of decades, and it's a pretty steady rise. And I'll, mm -hmm. I'll show those types of things. Um, but, but with your, your expertise at the table, give us a little bit more of a background to what got us here, and then we can move forward. Oh, I love that question. Maybe because, you know, you and I are kind of geeks about this sort of thing. But like you said, contingent work is nothing new. We can date back 50, 60 years where companies have been utilizing staffing firms to allocate workers on a temporary basis. And really that's in its most simplest form when defining what a contingent worker is. It's an indirect way of fulfilling talent through another um, platform or resource. And we can get into the weeds of what that makes up of, whether or not we're outsourcing, are, are we utilizing this through uh, an MSP or a VMS? Is this a staffing agency? You know, we see the rise of what gig platforms have done, but it's simply an indirect way to engage with a worker on an interim or preset defined period of time. And it's been going on for a while. Um, but, you know, suddenly about 10 or 12 years ago, we found ourselves in a position where the recession hit and digital transformation was really starting to take off. Uh, and we almost see nuances of that take place through this pandemic. You know, workers were a little bit more desperate to find the next form of work. Uh, employers were in a position where they were letting go of more um, people. And then we see technology really start to boom and the manner in which this type of talent is identified and fulfilled and thereby delivered uh, becomes you know, somewhat of a standardized notion in the way that we can find work. So, you know, you see platforms like Uber and Upwork and Fiverr that have really um, changed the way that we think about the gig economy. So about 10 to 12 years ago, the gig economy was born as a result for an increased demand in contingent work. Uh, recently, as we know, the pandemic has really caused somewhat of a shift. So now there's a demand and increased contingent work that's almost at every single level. Uh, employers are looking to, you know, realize the notion of buying or renting talent in an economically unpredictable time with market fluctuations, as we know, uh, that seem to put a big question mark on the decisions that they need to make to internally hire staff or outsource it for the interim. 
Uh, we're also going through somewhat of a renaissance within the worker. If we look at the number of LLCs and independent sole proprietors that were filed last year, it was a record-breaking year and the number of people that decided to go independent and find their own means of work. Now, of course, some of that could be attributed to the fact that they were perhaps let go, perhaps looking to get more creative and finding the ways to meet, uh, to have ends meet, or perhaps, you know, inspired by being cooped up as all of us were last year to find a newfound passion. Um, so we've got the employers and the enterprise organizations that are putting a big question mark in the way that they're gonna fulfill talent. We have this renaissance that's taking place into the worker platform. And then we have technology that's at the backbone of all of this. So when we look and analyze companies like Upwork or like Fiverr, they've had record breaking years. Uh, I think Upwork reported, you know, a 35% year-over-year increase in the last quarter alone, then you see companies like Fiverr that have taken out Super Bowl ads. And really, there's just this change in thought set of the way that work is going to be delivered. And I think that's the essence of the future of work. So a little bit of a history lesson on contingent work, what that is, uh, where we've gone from, what the recession in 2008 lended itself to the gig economy, and where where we're at now and where that's predicted to go. Yeah, well, thank you. And it's it's not unique to the US, right? There have been informal uh, labor markets and, and contingent and, and gig type markets around the world for, for a really long time. And I, I think of some of the travels, I mean, pre-pandemic, I, I haven't been traveling much this year, but mm-hmm. I, I like to travel. I, I travel around for work quite a bit. And so I, I remember a couple of years ago, I was, I was um, staying in Jakarta, Indonesia, for example, mm-hmm. and the gig economy plays a huge role there. Um, because, well, for a variety of reasons, but there, there's just so many um, people that participate in that gig economy. And it was really a fun and fascinating place to be while um, exploring that kind of a topic. And we, we see evidence of this all over the world. And of course, in the US as well. And part of what you were saying reminded me of what sometimes we call as a shift in the psychological contract between employer an employee. And I think back in time, you know, to my parents, um, particularly my grandparents' generation, but even my parents' generation, and there was more of a stability to the employer-employee relationship. And both sides wanted that, right? Uh, Employers wanted um, to have workers they could count on and invest in them. And then their, their people would reinvest into the company and spend their career with the company. That doesn't exist anymore. And um, what we largely see are not only do employers want more flexibility and how they're meeting, you know, their, the, the needs, uh, their, their human capital needs for the organization, but more and more employees also want that flexibility. Uh, and I think that's largely what's driving uh, this contingent workforce uh, in the gig economy and contract, the rising cr- contract work, because, you know, you, you think of the, uh, the, the digital nomads, uh, who want to spend their, you know, particularly with millennial, young millennial and Gen Z um, individuals, but they don't want to be locked into a geographic location. They don't want to be locked into, you know, working for one company. And even if they are working for one company, it might be for one or two years, and then they want to move on. Um, but many want, many want to just be be able to pick up gigs along the way and travel, or, you know, around the country, around the world the as they your, go. The be your own boss mentality. I think I've heard it called coined as the entrepreneur, if you will. 
Yep, absolutely. And and so I think that's that mindset shift. Uh, and there, I, there's a we could dig into that. There's a whole lot of reasons why that shift has happened over the last 50 years. But mm-hmm. the reality, regardless of the reason, and regardless of what you think about where we're at today, whether you think it's good or bad, we are here, right? And so um, that's the situation we're in. That's the context. And amidst that context, there's no doubt that we see this rise in in contract workers, gig workers. Um, you know, I work at a university, and that's one of the things we see a lot too is, you know, a lot of classes are taught, you know, by full-time professors like myself, but a lot of courses are taught by um, part-time faculty, uh, yeah. adjunct faculty. Adjunct and faculty, that's right. Some, some really great professors in my uh, educational career were adjunct. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's the thing is, you know, I think traditionally you go back in time 20, 30 years ago and, and people, you know, in a university setting, they, they would want to you know, be in the classroom with uh, full-time faculty members. Uh, and and I think even that's shifted because now more and more people want that working professional who has expertise in their field coming in and sharing that right. with with the student. And so it's 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 just this interesting balance, right? That that I think employers are trying to figure out and uh, to 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 remain competitive and pr- to provide value in the marketplace while maintaining flexibility to deal with your human capital needs and the labor costs associated with it. That's right. That's right. And and you you hit the nail on so many uh, different points. You know, gone are the days where you dedicate forty years to a company and you get the golden watch and then you retire and you pull out the uh, the retirement funds. It's more so now that we're dealing, and I really think there's a lot that can be attributed to the Gen X contributions to what they did as independent uh, contractors and the rise of independent contractors, particularly in the digital and the IT sectors. You know, this has been going on for some time, but we're dealing with generations that in some cases, as, as a millennial myself, you know, there have been studies that have indicated that we value um, freedom over health insurance. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many different nuances that are taking place, uh, characteristics from the demand of the type of workforce and the generational impact, the cultural impact are all lending itself to uh, this, this notion of, of what that's going to do and increase. And now we've got the pandemic that all of a sudden, you know, for employers, it could be a situation where that non-committal sort of arrangement makes a lot more sense because last year they found themselves in a position where they had to let go of many different types of workers and there were plenty of layoffs. We had unemployment that at one point capped at 12% of the population. You know, now it's gone down to six and a half, but that's still incredible numbers that we were dealing with last year. So it's not just a matter of, you know, that non-committal arrangement it's, it's the workers that are influencing and favor, favoring this type of model. And now it's the savings that could potentially, you know, look to have as, you know, perhaps hiring somebody more so on the skill-based as opposed to the role-based needs of their organization. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's worth noting also with the rise of the contingent workforce and the gig worker and some of these platforms like you're, you've mentioned, um, in, a, in part, we're in a bit of uncharted territory legally uh, when we think about employment and labor law. And so we've seen um, cases crop up, but many in California, for example, where gig workers are wanting to be treated like 
employees. They still want the flexibility of being a contingent worker, um, being their own boss, but they want the benefits of being an employee and the protections of being considered an employee of the organization. And then you have, you know, the the, the parent companies uh, that that are balking at that because they say that puts so many restrictions on them. And I think that's going to play out in the coming years. You, you see similar types of um, laws and and uh, and restrictions placed on companies in Europe, for example, around contingent workers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where we go with that in the U.S. here in the coming years. But I think that's that's another piece of the landscape that we need to at least mention briefly. So so now let's think about uh, where we're going. Uh, I, we've already mentioned, so we've laid out the history, the, the shifts in the mindset a little bit. Um, we've already mentioned the acceleration that the pandemic is causing, uh, but now people are getting vaccinated. Now people are starting, I mean, states are starting to to take uh, away the, the mask orders and opening up the, the economy more and restaurants and such. Um, so, so how do we see that affecting this rise that we've seen this past year, uh, if at all? And then getting past this next six months, next year, you know, where, what are we looking at in the next five years? I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Well, you mentioned something that was very interesting and I think that should be the next thing that we kind of go into and that's the compliance aspect of what's happening around uh, gig workers, uh, people that decide to actually form their own independent businesses. You know, recently uh, in the UK, there was a hearing that, um, you know, mandated that the worker be classified to the W-2 equivalent here uh, in the United States, just as a comparison term, um, because, you know, they were, they were an Uber worker and that platform designated to you know, who they were going to be riding with, what the demand was going to be like for them. They were completely at the mercy of this online platform. And the judge ruled that based on that assumption, um, you know, that, that person is going to be qualified to be a W-2 equivalent. Then we have what's going on with 
the ABC prong test in California, just as you mentioned, California tried to pass a legislation that didn't allow companies to extend IC worker classification statuses if that worker was contributing to the direct uh, type of um, service model offering that's being publicized for that company. So of course, Uber drivers are providing driving services for a driving services company. Based on that assumption, they would not be able to pass. So Uber pours a whole bunch of cash into what's happening. And then they were able to pass a proposition, which at least put a pause on the ABC prong test. I think through all of these examples, what we can look to at least learn and engage is that this is constantly going to be evolving for us. Uh, we really have to be adamant on knowing what cases are going to signify how that can influence other proceedings, what is happening in states like California, uh, and at least for us in the, in the United States, what impact is that going to have under a new administration? Uh, you know, Biden has gone into office. He's been pretty public on favoring something like the ABC prong test or a variation of that. What does that mean for workforce management professionals uh, if they are, in fact, extending services uh, to, to fulfill these needs by independent contractors? So really being on the lookout from a compliance perspective, if you're dealing with it from a workforce management, uh, I, because this, this gamut is constantly changing and we'll know that and we see that. So, you know, going back to compliance regulations, I think those are just a few of the things that Biden can anticipate for us to, you know, perhaps look to change. So we've got worker classifications, we've got what he's doing with the minimum wage uh, liability and how that's really going to affect workers that are, you know, earning less than $15 an hour. You know, you go to states like Texas, you can earn $12 an hour, $10 an hour. That's very common. Um, we also have what he's going to be doing on the visa front for H-1B statuses. So these are, I think, in my mind, probably the top three areas that I'm looking to always be aware of what can be proposed and what can be changed for next. So, you know, compliance is a huge aspect of what we want to do. And, and at least, you know, from the worker oversight, if we are looking to have a higher increase of contingent workers, if I'm an enterprise organization, there's not just classification risk and ensuring that I meet certain statutory regula regulations on a nationwide scale, but there's also co-employment liability. You know, the concept of outsourcing your workforce is very beneficial. It can certainly lend to some cost savings, but there's always the avoidance that you wanna have and the processes that you build to avoid any sort of co-employer liability. Um, so, you know, to properly run a, a contingent workforce, it, it, it really takes a lot of involvement and it's understanding that this gamut is gonna be changing for us quite rapidly and being acutely aware of what some of those trends and changes are happening on that end. You know, and it's, it's scary, it's not, you know, it's not the fun side of contingent work, it's the ever evolving side. So as quickly as contingent work and the demand for it is evolving, we know that the agencies at a federal and statutory level, uh, you know, whether that's the DOL or, yeah, you know, any other agency, they're evolving in the way that they identify and classify this type of work for us. Yeah, and not only is it complex just here in the United States, for example, um, I mean, you have ongoing case law, uh, of course, but you have shifts in uh, administrations. You have shifts in the Supreme Court even. So I think there's lots of things, there's lots of unknowns. And so we just have to see how it goes. Um, but we can, I, I don't know, I, I feel like we can reasonably 
predict, you know, kind of the trend and where things are going over the next uh, while. And you can look globally to how some of those trends are going also. Um, the other thing, the that thing I is that the government doesn't move overnight, right? So we usually right. come with things with anticipation. Yeah, that's right. Well, and the, the other point of all of this, I think, and, and part of the reason why the pandemic uh, helped to accelerate this is once things move virtually, uh, aided by digital transformation, as you mentioned, once things move uh, virtually, you aren't restricted by geographic location as to your labor force and who you bring into the organization. So now if, I, if I'm a Bay Area tech company and I'm trying and I'm battling for top talent, I don't have to fight all the other tech companies in the Bay Area for those people. I can literally get anybody from anywhere around the world um, either on an ongoing regular employment status basis or, you know, on a contract or contingent basis. And, and so that means that this global competition for labor, I think, is intensifying and it's opening up lots of options for employers. Uh, and I think that only adds to uh, this dynamic that we're currently in. Yeah, and the backbone of the future of work and, and the ideology behind it is globalization and remote working capacities. Um, you know, more so the preparations that companies have to have to be able, you know, the concept of outsourcing to another country is nothing new. We see what India has done uh, to, to the IT sector here in the United States, but at an individual level, you know, if you are looking for that one SME to be able to fulfill this project for you, you can go online somewhere and, and really, you know, find that person to do what they're doing and they can be located in remote parts of Russia to fulfill that work. Um, does your company have the processes in place to support that type of worker is, is one question. A lot of these digital platforms make it very easy for you to fulfill that process. And, you know, as I said, the, the future of work, one of the backbones of it is remote work fulfillment and globalization at a level that we've never seen before. It's never been easier for either a worker or an enterprise organization to go online and find that next type of work or work fulfillment than it is now, including on the other side of the globe. And, and again, just an, an attribute that we can directly uh, relate to the influence that the pandemic has caused because we've realized, and you guys, I'm sure you know this has been talked about in, in past podcasts, but we've realized how conveniently and perhaps in some cases more efficiently work can be done on a remote basis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're, we're running short on time for today. So I do want to make sure I give you a chance uh, to, to give us the last word on the topic. I, I mean, as much as anyone can give the last word on something that's ever evolving and, <laughs> and emerging, um, but, but tell us you know, really what we should be looking out for uh, in the coming years in relation to contingent workforce and the future of work. And then also uh, make sure you share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about what you're up to, uh, and anything else that you would like to share before we close? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you, Jonathan. Um, I think to me, um, one of the foundations of the contingent workforce or one of the differentials that we can look to standardize across, uh, and this is you know, a passion of mine, just because I've been on the other side of it and I've managed this type of workforce. I'm on you know, the phone with temporary workers, contract workers, gig workers, um, you know, perhaps look to enhance uh, the benefits that these type of workers can, can gain access to. In, in the temporary staffing world, it's not common for these type of workers to 
get any form of pay time off or at least attainable insurance. Um, you know, we have certain things that have passed like, like ACA that have at least at a minimal level offered companies the ability to standardize the way that they offer insurance. But truly, if we look at the future of work and the way that it's delivered and curating a talent pool and knowing that, you know, you have to put these efforts in place to get the best kind of talent, that all starts and begins with fair wages and attainable benefits plans um, and benefits options. You know, so these are going to be the differentiators that I think we can look to standardize across the contingent worker sector. And, you know, what benefit options can you look to leverage even for an IC worker population? You obviously can't extend benefits to those type of workers, but can you give them resource so that they can more easily attain those sorts of benefits themselves? Uh, and, and that's where I think the future of work should be driven off of. It's, it's more so engaging with um, that type of contingent worker, but also realizing the benefits that need to be tied to them to you know, curate the best possible talent pool and to go back to doing what you know, is right and, and giving access to these type of workers. Um, you know, sometimes they're, you know, I've heard the term, sometimes they're treated as second class workers. Uh, what can we do to change that? Uh, what, what truly can we do to change the notion and standardize some of the other things across the board that we see with this type of worker, which makes up, you know, 30% of our working population today. You know, one third of our workers this morning woke up and will be working on a contingent basis. This is a huge sector of the working population. And I think my passion lies in changing what is attainable for them so that they can more conveniently fulfill their type of work and live the type of lifestyle that somebody perhaps at a full-time company has similar uh, options extended to them to do. So, you know, all of this is going back to, um, you know, how, how to reach out to me. Uh, I'm co-founder uh, and vice president at a, at a startup called MyBasePay. And really, this is going to be the workforce management platform that we look to disrupt certain things that we see in the way that this type of workforce is managed. So on-demand employer responsibilities and outsourcing for these type of workers with the type of benefits that we think that truly that type of worker deserves. So uh, to find me, it's pretty easy. Go on LinkedIn, Angela Alberti. Uh, there's a lot of things that I like to post on there and I'm always open to hearing feedback on what other things that we can talk about um, in representing this unique segment of the workforce that we foresee rising in the years ahead. Wonderful. Thank you, Angela. It has really been a pleasure talking with you. We only scratched the surface. I, I feel like we could go on and on for hours. Uh, perhaps I can have you back on the podcast another time so we can continue the conversation. Uh, but for today, I appreciate uh, you uh, really providing uh, some of your valuable time to share uh, some of your insights with the listeners. I encourage everyone to reach out, get connected with Angela, find out more about her and her company, what they can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. 
check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.